This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Saturday, August 1st, 2020. I'm Caleb Brown. Many economists model people's behavior using idealized assumptions. Economists of the Austrian school, however, don't. The Austrian school takes people as they are and constructs economic theories by examining the logical structure of the choices they make. Steve Horwitz is author of the new volume for Libertarianism.org, Austrian Economics, and Introduction. Economists make a lot of assumptions. That's the core of economics. There are, you could write a short joke book about uh, economists and their assumptions. Assume a ladder, as they say. Assume a can opener. Um, it's another one of those, yeah. <laughs> but we, uh, when people who frankly aren't don't know a lot about economics come in to criticize economists, they look at these assumptions of perfect information, of uh, you know all the various other uh, assumptions that we make that everything responds mo- within a moment uh, to any change in a marketplace. Um, and you can <laughs> freely enter and leave markets hundreds of times a day if you wanted to, depending on uh, where the prices are. And people who aren't schooled in economics will uh, approach that and say, well, that's garbage. Uh, and economists say, no, 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 no. We, we relax those assumptions and then we approach reality and we try to understand uh, how the world is working using those assumptions as sort of a background uh, helper to help us understand things. Uh, do Austrian economists, when uh, they hear these criticisms, say, hell yeah, they're terrible. I mean, it seems like the the vociferousness with which uh uh, an Austrian economist would say, yes, these assumptions are all terrible. Um, is that right? Yeah, mostly. I, I think let's. there's a debate among Austrians about the usefulness as a sort of preliminary exercise in the way you sort of described about looking at these strong knowledge assumptions and equilibrium models and saying, well, we need that first to understand how things actually differ in the real world. And Hayek talked about those models as being a foil against which we compare the real world. So there's an interesting debate about that. But I think the more important point is that for Austrians, we start with human beings in a decision-making context where their knowledge is fallible, it's partial, it's tacit, and and the world is uncertain. And so what people are trying to do is is figure stuff out. And they're trying, uh, trying to do that by the decisions they make in the marketplace and getting that feedback from the marketplace. So the role of prices isn't just to sort of inform us about how to make a perfect decision. It's it's to sort of provide a signal and an incentive for us to realize we've made mistakes or done something right and to adjust our behavior accordingly. Same with, with profits profits and losses. So one of the key difference, I think, between Austrians and the mainstream is the mainstream focuses on these sort of equilibrium models that say, look, if we make these strong assumptions about knowledge and about the nature of the marketplace, we can calculate an equilibrium and sort of show that the properties of that equilibrium are desirable or, or undesirable. And, and a lot of that is about mathematical tractability, right? Can we, making those assumptions about knowledge are necessary to create a mathematical model that demonstrates the equilibrium. Austrians might say, okay, perhaps that's an interesting exercise, but the real payoff and the real interesting part of economics and the real way we learn about the world are the processes by which people change and adjust and move towards equilibrium. And what that puts an emphasis on for Austrians that's also absent from a lot of 
mainstream discussions is institutions, right? What are the rules of the game? What are, what are, what do property rights look like? What do regulations look like? Well, how do all these things affect the capacity of markets to learn and provide feedback and provide information in the, in, in the ways we're talking about? So it's, um, the, 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 the sort of, for me, the, one of the best ways to think about economics is what economics studies is people uh, attempting to improve themselves by using exchange through various sets of institutions. And so if we want to understand whether that ex those exchange processes produce progress and value for people, we want to look at those institutions. What are the institutions then that draw the most attention from Austrian economists as, as distinct or uh, at least the emphasis would be different? from more mainstream economists. That list of institutions might be might be pretty similar. It's just that we're just paying more attention to their impact, right, in the marketplace. So certainly things like pr property rights would be one, the nature of property rights and, and how they're defined. And, and, and we should clarify that when we say institutions, we don't mean like uh, necessarily the bank. <laughs> we mean much broader. Right, right. We mean rules and norms, yeah. Right, I, right. I think the phrase "rules of the game" is is a good way to capture what we're interested in. Right, uh, you can think about economic activity taking place within a set of rules. What are what what are the rules that define that activity? What uh what are those rules? Well, what do property rights look like? Do we or do we not have the rule of law? A question being much debated these days. Uh, uh, another one that Austrians probably do pay a lot more attention to than the mainstream does is sound money. Uh, to what degree is the monetary system uh, facilitating or hampering those exchanges and the ability of prices to, to perform those in information and, and, and incentive functions? Uh, so those are the, to me, those are the three biggies, but, but we can certainly also add to that list informal norms, right? What, you know, this is sort of, um, like Deidre McCloskey's work on on what are the ethical assumptions people bring to the marketplace, uh, what what's what's the culture of entrepreneurship within a society? I mean, those are less less formal and less you know grand sort of over the top framework grandiose things, but they're certainly key institutions in that broad sense of the rules that frame activity. Right, like uh, uh, what makes you look like a good guy in the yeah, eyes of the people that's right. around you. So another right, and 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 we can think about you know uh, think about having a repair person come to your house to fix something. Right, you're letting this stranger into your house. Why are you letting this stranger into your house? Well, they have a uniform on with a name and an identification, and you've had some pre previous contact with the or with the with the organization. So these practices, these institutions, these rules by which we operate, right, play this incredibly important role in enabling us to to interact with each other. There's a terrific Paul Seabright's book, uh, in, the, in the Company of Strangers by Paul Seabright, uh, is a terrific book about exactly this role of institutions. And this, again, one that Austrians, I think, pay more attention to than the mainstream. So you have uh, uh, two pieces at libertarianism.org. One is a, a, a short, a slim, concise volume on Austrian economics, and one is just talking about economics for bro more broadly for how do you approach how did you approach those two exercises uh ah. differently because I, I remember you saying something to the effect of uh you know you want to get this this what is economics about yeah. and you want to get that question uh you want to get that answer to be as concise and clear and in some sense open-ended as as it should be. Yeah. Wow, that's a really interesting question thinking about them comparatively that way. Let me start with the with the encyclopedia entry first, which I found very difficult to write. Uh, you know, uh, 2500 words roughly. How do you because there were two tasks, 
sort of explain economics and then explain the relationship of economics and libertarianism. The second task was pretty easy. That's that wasn't the hard part. The hard part was sort of giving myself maybe fifteen hundred words to explain economics and and what's important and how do you how do you navigate between what you what other people think economics is and what me as an Austrian would say about economics, right? And so the, a lot of it was sort of trying to find a middle ground there about how, what are the things that almost everyone agrees on defines economics. Uh, but at the same time, in that entry, right, I talked about institutions, I talked about public choice economics, right? I talked about some things that that if someone else had written that entry, they might not have talked about. So it, so I think the first half of that, in even in defining and explaining what economics is about, it was done in a way that would be particularly congenial to the readership of libertarianism.org. If you'd asked me to write it for a, a more general reference book, I would have done something different. I'm not sure I would have taken the job, frankly, if it had been for that. Um, the Austrian econ book, uh, you know, the, my, the joke, you know, is a short, concise book on Austrian economics. Who would have thought that was possible? Uh, so that was one challenge there was keeping it in, in, in the spirit of those guides, right? Keeping it short. Uh, I think one of the things we, we struggled with there was deciding, we made a decision early on, let's put it that way, the decision early on to make it not about people. And I think that was really important. You could imagine a version of the book that was a chapter on Mises and a chapter on Hayek and one on Rothbard. And that just seemed all wrong. It's too hagiographic. Graphic. It's too. It's too focused on people. It's really not focused on the ideas. And so uh, the challenge there was how do we how do we create something that is an introduction and written for a general audience uh, that also covers the breadth of the landscape, but also has a little historical seasoning to it that that sort of works through those ideas as as having a history and sort of coming up to a present where there's young people doing different and cool things. So uh, I'm really happy with it. I haven't sat down and read it. It was written three years ago, interestingly. So it's ancient history in some sense in my brain. And I haven't sat down and read it through all the way. Um, I have looked at all the, lec the video lectures, which came out great. And I'm very happy with those came out. Someone on Facebook said, uh, you know, paid me the ultimate compliment, which is uh, they haven't, they said they hadn't read someone who was quite so good, except for maybe Eamon Butler, at explaining complex ideas in a way that was accessible. And that, okay, you know, mission accomplished if, if that's the case. Um, you know, you say that you avoided people, but there is at least one moment uh, in, you know, a, a lot of economics is economic history and uh, understanding debates and understanding what information is brought to bear in these historical debates. The big one, sort of the, if you will, the prize fight for uh, <laughs> Austrian economists was the, the, the fight, um, the socialist calculation debates. And Mises himself participated in the, the first go-round of uh, these debates. Why is that such an important moment? Uh, it, first, explain what it is. And yeah. then why is that such an important moment and why does it fit neatly in this this short book about Austrian economics? So, so the socialist calculation debate was uh, the Austrians' response to Marxism and to socialism early in the 20th century. Uh, Vienna of the turn of the century was full of both great liberal thinkers like Mises and and great socialist thinkers as well, and they often interacted. And they so the so both sides knew each other. And, uh, it, you know, I think that the liberals, the Austrian economists thought that there needed to be a sort of systematic response to some of the things the socialists were writing about why comprehensive socialist planning replacing a marketplace was just not possible. And Mises writes in 1920, economic calculation in the socialist commonwealth. It's a, a 
paper. In fact, if you said to me, Horowitz, what one piece of social science would you have to take to the deserted island with you? That might be it. It's either that or high use of knowledge in society or both. Just staple them together. Uh, but Mises argued there that 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 there's no way to know how to rationally allocate resources without market prices. And to have market prices, you have to have private property, specifically private property and capital and the means of production. So it was a dagger right in the heart of, of Marxism. There, after that, the Marxists tried some responses that weren't very good. Then came the so-called market socialists. These were mostly trained economists who were constructing these hybrid systems where the state would sort of own the capital, but there'd be markets and other sorts of things. And would these work? And then Hayek took up the, you know, round two. Uh, Hayek took up the battle and responded to them. And Hayek's responses to them were, were uh, all about the way in which market prices, as we were saying earlier, are, are surrogates for knowledge. That the, the key for Hayek was that, in fact, these economists were making the very same assumptions about knowledge we were talking about earlier, that, that the models they were building to model socialism were, in some cases, explicitly the same model that mo regular economists were using to model perfect competition. And they were just saying, well, Instead of the market giving people prices, you just have these social, the planning board give people prices. Uh, and, and Oscar Lange in particular, the Polish economist, had a model just like this. And so the key to this, the, why the debate is so important going forward is that it's here, I think, that Hayek realizes a whole bunch of things. Uh, one of which is the way in which the standard economic model isn't a very good model about how markets work, right? And he recognizes that the knowledge assumptions, the understanding of what's meant by data, the role of equilibrium, all of this is there in these essays Hayek writes in the late 30s and 1940. They're all there. And, and he's just, you can see him on the fly sort of realizing, whoa, hey, <laughs> this, I thought economics was about this other thing. And these guys just took economics and used it for this other purpose. There's something wrong here. And my understanding of economics is different from theirs. And so I think it becomes the place at which the Austrian self-understanding begins to shift and, and really realizes it's something distinct from what was becoming the mainstream in economics. And the Austrian revival that takes place in the mid-70s owes itself really to, 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 to Hayek's Individualism and Economic Order, which was the collection that included all these essays, and, and Human Action by Mises. Those are the two books that sort of, you know, were the the fuel that that made possible the 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 revival later on. Made possible the, the book marks the revival is Israel Kirzner's competition and entrepreneurship, which is sitting on those other two as a, you know pillars of of where Kirzner goes. So it, for the for the takeaway for people who will not read the book, which is available for free at libertarianism.org for your various mobile reading devices. Um, so there's no excuse really. No, I'm, I'm just, um, it's just kind of scary thinking about all the places people might be reading the book, but you know, okay, it's better than that. <laughs> hopefully a lot of places where they're told they shouldn't. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, uh, you know, what, what are the, the major, the major takeaways that, I mean, Austrian econom economists, I think are just, uh, thought of as being skeptical toward numbers. And, yeah, and, but and so what? What is the big takeaway that you would you would say? I I think the big takeaway is is that Austrian economists are really interested in understanding how human societies produce economic and social coordination, and how that can take place, even given the fact that human beings 
are dispersed, are distinct individuals with dispersed and tacit and, and, and subjective knowledge. How is it that all of us, with all of our preferences and all of our bits of knowledge and all the things we do and say, manage to coordinate ourselves in the form of, you know, when I walk into the grocery store with my mask on, that bottle of Coke is there waiting for me, right? How does that happen? And we only think about it, interestingly, when it breaks down, as we've seen over the last couple of months. When we couldn't find the toilet paper in the store, then we start to say, wait a second, right? How does this work? And I think Austrians uh, are, are really fascinated by that, uh, that spontaneous emergent order, that, that, that undesigned order, and how uh, the institutions of society, which are themselves often undesigned order, make it possible for us to coordinate our knowledge that way and coordinate our behavior that way and how that generates you know, material human progress, especially for the least well-off. And that's, that concern with progress and the least well-off has been part of economics, or at least was, for a long time. And I think the mainstream has lost it a bit, getting wrapped up in the coolness of their models. I mean, Freakonomics is fun and everything, but, but it's really not a it's not an ambition to make the world a better place. And I think for Austrians, part of what motivates us is that we're, or part of what, what makes us distinct is that we're interdisciplinary. We're motivated by wanting to make the world a better place. Uh, and we see economics, uh, we see economies as epistemic ecosystems, that what's really happening there, they're a form of communication that takes us beyond language and numbers. And our, our criticism of numbers is, is not just that you know, we make these models that are crazy, but they're not enough. Communicating statistics to the government to hope it can plan something isn't enough. There's way more knowledge out there than we can put into words and numbers. Steve Horwitz is author of the new volume for libertarianism.org, Austrian Economics and Introduction. Subscribe to the Cato Daily Podcast wherever you please and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast.